0: and welcome back to the Jew and Gentile Podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the sage himself, the Jewish sage, the one and only Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir? Chris, I'm good. What did you get your wife for
1: Valentine's Day?
0: That's right. I went out and I did what every other person, as we were talking about earlier, other, every other husband was doing. I was out getting her flowers for Valentine's what Day. What kind of flowers you get her? The, the love combination, you know, the roses. The love combination. The, the love bouquet as it was called. So. Okay, and where where did you buy them? At a flower place? Uh, at Whole Foods. Hold oh. on a minute, Steve. Hang on. Welcome in. Welcome in. Yes, uh, Steve, I did get my wife flowers uh, for Valentine's Day. And we like to go out for dinner. The thing is, is that... Did you go out to dinner? Well, not yet, because here's the thing, is that our twin boys, Cohen and Preston, their
1: birthday is on Valentine's Day. Ay, ay, ay. So your wife was celebrating Valentine's Day going... Chris, these are the last two. Oh, well, <laughs> well, then we had one more. And then you had one more. <laughs> well, the funny thing, though,
0: and I don't think my wife would mind me telling you this, but we went in for a... Ah, uh, tell it anyway. Yeah, we went <laughs> we went in for our 37-week checkup when she was pregnant with the twins, and she says that the she, we were very excited because we were going to leave that checkup and go get a hamburger at In-N-Out Burger in when we lived in Dallas. And, oh, it was all on our minds. This is what we were going to do. Karen's parents were in town. And then um, the moment that we get there, the doctor looks at us and says, you're having these babies today. And that was that was the 13th. And by the next day or something like that, the, the, the twins were born. But uh, she said, no. I can't have them right now. We're going to go out and get a a cheeseburger or hamburger from In-N-Out Burger. Nope, you're having them today. She says, can they go out and get me a cheeseburger and bring it into the... Nope, this is it. You can have chicken broth and you're done, you know. So that's how she celebrated Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. But uh, that's what we did. What did you do?
1: Uh, I went. Uh, it was hilarious. I got to a grocery store, and there were at least 25 guys coming out of the store with their heads down and flowers in their right arm, <laughs> and I was walking towards the grocery store, and when I walked in, there are flowers everywhere, Chris. every The store knew that these guys in this area, including me, are last minute, right the day of and uh, i bought her uh, a half a dozen of roses and a chocolate bomb
0: oh yeah you were talking about the chocolate bomb that's right i know alice loves oh loves chocolate yeah i i know that she's you know most moms would spend most of their life telling their kids to eat their dinner and then dessert but i don't think that was alice's mo no she wanted dessert first still (laughs) wants dessert first
1: that's she said why make room for other things if you gotta have to I Have a little nutrition, that's fine.
0: Well, but. I think I can say for Steve and I, happy Valentine's Day to our wives, even though it's past now. Yep, yep, A big happy Valentine's Day. Um, and to all those out there, too, happy Valentine's Day. But Chris, we have somebody with us. We, we, we've talked
1: too much already. I know. We have Boy, a special poor guest. guy. We're sorry already.
0: Steve, uh, I, I'd like to introduce a friend of ours. Let me make sure he comes up on the screen here if you're watching us on um, on, uh, Oh, yeah, both of you stream. if you're watching us. That's right. <laughs> Uh, but uh, his name's David Foreman. David uh, is a, a youth pastor slash intern at Fellowship Bible Church here in South Jersey. David, great to see you, brother. Thanks for having me on the show. This is awesome. I'm so glad you're here. We have a y- Steve. You call young people something uh, that
1: I T- love. Tight skinned
0: people. Oh, tight.
1: Yep. We got we got one real tight. One, semi-tight, and the other, no hope. Oh, I don't know. He looks pretty good for us. I won't give I your so. age away. You yeah. can go
0: ahead. 69 years old. Look at yep.
1: Not wow. a wrinkle on his face. Ay, aye, aye, There's all over the place. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. So, uh, David, why don't you share with us the ministry that you do at uh, Fellowship Bible Church?
2: Yeah, so first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. I am currently a youth intern at my church, local church in South Jersey, and uh, I'm also a Word of Life graduate uh, from second year, but I basically teach at our youth group every other week and just disciple, and it's something that I'm really passionate about. So
0: We were talking about that, that you feel called to speaking, teaching God's Word, and discipleship. That's right. Um and I uh, hey look it, you're in the right place. You're on a podcast. You, here you go. Here's your opportunity. Praise Steve God. and I will shut ourselves off. Boom. You go revelation. What 9. was your
2: last lesson? My last lesson was on gender identity and how to handle it as a Christian. Oh, that's oh big. Big. man,
0: man, oh man. That's more adult than what we do here, Steve. <laughs> I'm
2: going to this guy. I know. I, I want. My... <laughs> that's great. How you're was? Welcome. How did the kids uh, hand or young adults handle it? Yeah, so I basically, uh, I provided them with some materials from, if you know Sam Albury, he's a pastor, um, he wrote a book on Is God Anti-Gay? And I basically took my studies from that uh, book and basically presented it to the teens and said, hey, here's some materials, if you know a friend that struggles with some of these things, here, here's how you can biblically minister to these people in a God-honoring way. And so that's kind of what I presented to the teens. So really wow, good feedback. Amazing! That's fantastic. Amazing. You'll have to come back in and uh, share that with us sometime. We'd really appreciate that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that's great. And so uh, how long as your internship and also do you have family that work at that church as well (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) minister Uh, (laughs) at the church (laughs) yeah so this is my second year of my internship wrapping up but my dad is actually the administrative pastor there along with phil moser uh for those of you that are familiar with phil moser he's the teaching pastor but my dad is the pastor so uh yeah my internship's been great so. so you
1: had a connection
2: I did. It was my way in, so praise God for that. So that's good. Yeah.
0: You know, I did good a you. I did a uh article actually on um Fellowship Bible Church for Israel My Glory a couple months ago, uh, an editorial because your church actually made the Philadelphia Inquirer recently mm. when that tornado came through mm. South Jersey. And mm. I had I spoke at your church maybe two weekends ago. And I was even driving down the road, and those trees are still knocked over. Mm-hmm. It looks like Armageddon. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. It looks like an apocalyptic take. It's crazy, mm-hmm. honestly. and so um, but your church uh took a step of faith and said, "We're going into the community to help mm-hmm. these people during a very difficult time." And that raised awareness in the community about the church. Your, your volunteerism, your care for the community, and then even the most liberal newspaper in the area, Philadelphia Inquirer, picked mm. it up and wrote a really great article about the work that your church did for the community. Glory to God.
2: Yeah, that was a crucial time for our church, and especially key because our church is in such a key area of South Jersey. It, uh, people were just showing up at the church asking, how can we help during this time of need? And we'd have hundreds of people going out to the community and uh, just helping with uh, just awareness around the area and cleaning up people's properties. It was just a really great time to glorify God.
0: Yeah, you saved some people $10,000, $30,000 mm-hmm. in tree removal on mm-hmm. their property. So, mm-hmm. I mean, praise the Lord for that. And people just getting to—I remember Phil saying, I, I, I did— uh, I believe it was the Good Samaritan message, and I made it five minutes long, which is the hardest thing to do for a pastor. And then we went and got to work right away, even mm. on a Sunday, which mm-hmm. is awesome. That's right. That's great. Well, D- David, I'm so glad you're here. Um, you are more than welcome to stick around, chime in, let us know your thoughts. Here's what we're doing, everybody The Jew and Gentile Podcast is sponsored by FOI Equip. And Steve, we have got.
1: Oy, Hold on, let
0: me go through them. Y- 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 Hold on. Zagazun. Live and be well. One
1: more. Is anything okay?
0: Okay, so we have, uh, which is a great setup for tomorrow night, we have our FOI-equipped class. It's a roundtable of Jewish believers who are going to be talking about what it means to be a Jewish believer. Uh, and Steve's going to be on that, along with Mitch Treesman, along with Lorna Simcox, maybe you know that name. She's the editor. She was the former editor-in-chief of Israel My Glory magazine, and then Fred and Eva
1: Schweig. And so, Steve, are you looking forward to it? Are you excited? It's like the Super Bowl of Jewish believers right now. That's right. I'm, go- I'm visiting my family tomorrow, uh, my mother, who will turn 99 in March. And so I'll be spending time with them in the afternoon, then go to the hotel and spend time with all these folks. <laughs> and I don't know which one's going to be more Michigan. I
0: I can't wait for you to come back with some Blanche stories. ay yeah yeah I want to <laughs> tell you
1: just craziness. It'll be crazy.
0: Okay, well listen, if you are, I wanted I want your take. I know we haven't even done this yet. Uh, that's tomorrow night, Thursday. Um, but Steve, what like what are you expecting from this? Uh, uh, well, first experience? I'm I'm
1: expecting very little participation on your part once you ask a (laughs) couple questions that's right secondly uh because of the age area this just happens to be jewish believers who are uh all of us over 60 uh so it's a generational thing uh things aren't the same in some ways and they are the same in others but uh certainly the traditions of um especially baby boomer jewish people is the sense of guilt, uh, trying to do things because the Tevye way, you know, tradition, and breaking the tradition. And so you're probably going to hear a lot about how uh, there was pressure, whether it was self-made or from outside sources, not to do this. How could you betray your people? Mm. Uh, lots of those kinds of things, and struggles, internal struggles. But that, I think, is universal. Uh, the idea of Believing. Um, I think all of us became believers as adults, which is statistically, uh, that's a very difficult thing uh, if you do the analytics. Most Christians become believers at a young age. So Mm -hmm. I think you're going to find that, but I think you're going to get humor. I think you're gonna think get you're a gonna lot, get lot of, lots of humor, lots of laughing, a lot of laughing and spitting. But the good news is that uh, it's we're on our own computers, That's and right. we'll be talking so fast that saliva is going to be shooting all over the place. I can
0: already hear the conversations too. I hear I can hear Larna going, "I've got nothing to say about this," and then boom, she yeah. takes off and takes the rest of the night. Or Mitch with his great stories of growing up in Brooklyn, or uh, Fred and Eva doing ministry down in Florida. And you, growing up in an Orthodox Jewish home, I just think it's all—it's it's, actually—it's one thing to say they're all you're all Jewish believers and you're going to be sharing. But you know what? You come from such diverse
1: backgrounds in Judaism. That's going to add a lot as well. I agree. And not only—I want those who might tune in, Mitch Treisman got to Philadelphia from Brooklyn when he was like, I don't know, five or six years old. He still speaks like he just got off the bus (laughs) of Brooklyn. (laughs) He He still speaks with the Brooklyn accent. How does that happen? Well, and
0: he wears the hat, too. He's got it all. So, uh, hey, listen, everybody, that's February 16th. Uh, I want you to go to FOI Equip um, after this podcast. Not right now. uh, Unless you can go and keep this going while you're doing it, and you can keep listening while you register by going to foiequip.org, and there you can register for a roundtable with our Jewish believers As we've been saying, heavenly-bound Hebrews, which is my favorite thing that Steve's ever taught me. And so uh, be sure to go to foiequip.org to register. So, Steve, um, before we get to fast news... You found something in. Did you know? Oh, that's
1: right. Did you know? And again, we—I keep forgetting to look up Emily. Invite her to the podcast sometime. Uh, Emily Stone wrote. Did you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, we—it's become
0: so popular. Other people have bought it, and I think our advancement department,
1: the whole advancement department, now has a copy. Tom Gagan bought one for everybody. That's fantastic. Uh, so I looked up uh, the Oys of Yiddish. That's what it's titled. The, the Oys, Oys of, of Yiddish. Yiddish. Uh, the Mammalotion, or the mother tongue of Ashkenazi Jews, Yiddish is a vernacular a linguistic hybrid of German and Hebrew that also borrows from other Eastern and Central European languages to develop its own rich and evocative pache. Wow. Wow. So- <laughs> That's a, that's a lot of stuff right there. While some Yiddish words have entered the English English lexicon, it is the nuance rather than the literal meaning of the words that shoulders both the weight of Jewish history and the resilient, if gallows, humor of its people. Wow. What she's saying here, and I, I really, that is really important, it's nuance. It's, it's nuance. not so much the, the translation. Like, oy, the word oy, it has 16 different... <laughs> well, there's yeah. that one.
0: Yeah. Then there's this one. Oy, there's, it's all nuance. That's
1: right. It's all nuance, and it, some Yiddish translates itself. Wait till the folks here today, the Yiddish word of the day. We actually used it on your wife mm-hmm. uh, because she came in, and, well, we'll have to explain why she came in, but we just said that's our Yiddish word for the day.
0: It really is the nuance, and maybe the better word, even the nuance, is the delivery. Because sometimes it's the way that you say things when you when you throw a Yiddish word out there. It's the way you say it that makes me laugh. Or you'll remember something that your mom said to you while you were growing up, and it's more the way she said it, the nuance, the delivery that... Draws that memory. It's, it's not even the word. Always the delivery. Yeah, it's the delivery. <laughs> it's so, always the delivery. All right. Well, that's a going. Okay. So we're going to go into fast news before we get into the book of Revelation. I'm going to be covering from the Jerusalem Post. Steve, no, wait. I'm covering uh, from the Jerusalem Post. Yay, You're doing yay, Israel yay. news. Okay. Th- no, I have Times of Israel. Oh, Times of Israel. David, do you see how well we prepare for this? This yeah. is great, man. Are I you mean, sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't. Absolutely. You don't. You've not lost respect for us <laughs> yet. No, no, not yet. We're almost. No, okay. <laughs> he's, he's
1: ready to leave. He's, he's saying, right. "When can I get out <laughs> of this place, like guys?"
0: What are they doing? All right. So here we go. Uh, This is fast news, everybody, where we give you the headlines coming out of Israel. So, Steve. Oh, wrong one.
1: Over a thousand trees uprooted near Shiloh in the third recent West Bank evacuation.
0: That's a big one. Here's another one from the Times of Israel. Lapid seeks 60-day overhaul pause for talks. Protesters call Knesset Rally for next week.
1: Smotrich, Ben Gavir, demand West Bank power, Netanyahu promised. Knesset passes law to strip terrorists
0: who receive uh, Palestinian Authority stipends of Israeli citizenship. Steve, that's really important because it's true. Palestinian Authority gives money to terrorists, and so now Israel's looking to strip them of that citizenship.
1: Israel security expert behind worldwide election manipulation efforts. That's from a
0: report. Steve, listen to this one: Codex Sassoon, the oldest near-complete Hebrew Bible, is set to fetch thirty to fifty million dollars. Say that again. Say
1: that. That's worth repeating. Yes,
0: Codex Sassoon, oldest nearest complete Hebrew Bible, set to fetch thirty to fifty million dollars. At an auction. That's amazing.
1: Wow. Bill taking Israeli citizenship from pay for slay terrorists is now law. We reported that. That was a headline last
0: week. That's exactly right. Here's another one. Ben Gavir, we all know him. He is uh, on uh, the coalition with Benjamin Netanyahu and controversial. uh, Pan's government West Bank policy says this isn't what we wanted and it cannot go on. Talking about the status of the West Bank policy right now
1: confidential meeting on judicial reform that's been going on a long time chris security impact set for wednesday
0: okay i think we're coming to the end here steve but the times of israel reports israel says it approved economic gestures for palestinians following talks with the u.s everybody i believe that's gonna be the fast news All right, Steve, I think we did pretty whoa, good. That. We did great I, on that I one. I think we did
1: better that Compared time. to last week, da- Oh, that was terrible.
0: David, if, if it's hard to try to time it just right, and so uh, sometimes it works. It looked
1: like we knew what we were
0: doing. That's like, sometimes it looks like we plan, and sometimes it doesn't, so... Sounded great to me. Ten out of ten. <laughs> for my first
2: view, that was amazing.
0: All right, <laughs> Steve, David. I already have uh, invited David to work for Friends of Israel as a North American Ministries encourager. He's encouraged me in a meeting earlier. He's encouraged North America. Look, he's in here encouraging. I'm ready to hire him. Uh, Steve. We're ready to go. All right, Steve. So we're in Revelation chapter nine.
1: Yeah, let's let's review real quick. We have the Book of Revelation, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ, Chris, and we don't want to forget that. This is. This is John getting firsthand a revelation from Jesus Christ. The unfolding of this book, the apocalypse, is the unfolding of what is going to happen uh, at end times. But it started in his present time with the seven church. Mm -hmm. Everybody sing, please. That sounds pretty lovely. We have those seven churches. And um, we have seen the churches, and we have seen that in heaven uh, there was a... Uh, uh, that John was weeping because no one was qualified. Somebody had to be qualified to take what is the uh, the title deed to the world and open the seven seals, but nobody was found. He was weeping. Uh, uh, angel came, put his arm on his shoulder, and unfolded what only the lamb that looked as though it had been slain. That is, the lamb who we read pours out wrath the lamb of wrath mm-hmm. we know we, we you were the one to question at that time wait a minute what lamb ever is somebody you're afraid of never
0: saw an angry lamb before
1: an ang- <laughs> the only kind of lamb I've seen that w- are the ones in duress where they're on their back and they're kicking their legs like crazy did you ever did you ever
0: see that video that meme with the lamb who gets he's stuck inside the pit and the pit's a long pit And so some guy's getting them out of the pit, and the the lamb's all scared, and then the lamb jumps really high and falls back in the pit again, you know? (laughs) Those are the kind of lambs That's right. Or the kind of goats that fall over. Did you ever see the tipping goats? Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, I love those (laughs) (laughs)
1: goats. We learn something every podcast, (laughs) don't we? So here we come with uh, the—we had the 144,000. We talked about the fact, are these Jews, or is this the church— look the as the revelation unfolds, John takes the time to write about each tribe, okay. twelve thousand from this tribe, from that tribe, a hundred and forty four thousand witnesses. And when that happens, and then we talked last week, if you remember, about the half hour of silence. oh, that was it, half an hour silence. We both said, man, being around silence, just being around it makes. We, we, you and I go crazy. You know, somebody was just asking, uh, you know, do you,
0: I was talking with on the phone before we got on the podcast, and they said uh, they, want, they want you to do a podcast. And they said, do you think Steve will be good at doing this? I said, Steve's fantastic. He can't handle
1: silence, so he'll speak right into any silence. It's perfect, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I, I learned on that podcast, uh, I forgot who was seated here who brought it out. Who was here? As was the, that Tom Gagan? Yes, it was Tom. Tom was the one that brought out that he said that emphasizes the uh the 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 difficulty the the intenseness of the moment that kind of silence before God unleashes mm-hmm. terrible terrible judgment. Uh, There is a silence before the seventh seal is open. And God does that a lot in the Bible, Steve, where He
0: purposefully creates a pause. You know, my mind goes to Ezekiel chapter 37, where God is resurrecting the nation of Israel and He brings them back, but they stand there lifeless. And He has to ask the question to Ezekiel, you know, what needs to be done next? We need to prophesy the breath into them. There's a purpose that there's a pause there. So I don't think anything is out of the sovereignty of God. He purposely puts this air here, this silence, this moment, to build the tension for what's about to come.
1: I think that's a perfect way of describing it. There is that tension, and certainly here, because when we come to chapter 9, it says, Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then, out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads and they were not given authority to kill them but to torment them for 5 months their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man in those days men shall seek death and will not find it mm. they will desire to die and death will flee from them chris are these real is this a, it's interesting they're 5 months long you know how long a scorpion's life a locust life is no five months. Really? Yep. It's a it's a summer thing. I had looked it up uh somewhere between April and September somewhere or somewhere around that it's a five month lifespan. Uh I found that interesting. Yeah that, that they that knew these these aren't like normal locusts. These are they have they're all they're for torment mm-hmm. uh and yet they're not gonna touch any kind of live vegetation. They're only there to torment. So the first question I have for you, Chris, and one that I think a lot of people would ask, why would God do that? that, that how, why would God raise up uh, or allow these things to happen uh, and, and torture mankind?
0: You know, Steve, I, I think this is something we've been talking about for a while now, is that God has been patient for a very long time. The question is, why hasn't God done this sooner? Because technically mankind deserves it. Um, the, 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 the sin that has been building up has been waiting for this. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul talked about in Romans chapter two, is that man is built you know mankind is storing up for itself wrath for the day of wrath. So even right now, there's credits that the people you know, people think, uh, oh, if I'm good, I'll earn these credits. If I'm bad, I'll earn these credits. Well, guess what? You can't earn God's grace, but I definitely can tell you this. It says right there, you can store up wrath for the day of wrath. So in God's patience and in God's kindness, because uh, it's his kindness that leads to repentance, but he's been patient. And so when when you say why, you know, to me it's because God is finally, according to the book of Revelation, he is acting and he's bringing his Judicial justice that he's been talking about for a long time. This is the reason Jesus came, to, to make sure we don't face this. But it was, it was going to come. And here, Revelation is giving us the picture in one snapshot of what that time will look like. So, God is releasing his wrath on mankind because of our sin. You could read about it in Zephaniah chapter one. But I'll also add this too you know, when I'm reading through the trumpets here, I find it fascinating the correlation, the connection with the sealed judgments as well. Because we have the four horsemen of the apocalypse,
1: or your children. My You're tri- now up to twelve dollars. That's right. you yep twelve. No sixteen. Sixteen dollars. Sixteen dollars. That's I'll right. Have to, I'll have to. I'll give you a twenty and tip them oh, that,
0: <laughs> for the future. That's right. Um, but uh, you know, it talked. The four horsemen are connected to events that take place on Earth: dominion and famine and pestilence and these things that happen on Earth. And then once you get to the fifth seal, all of a sudden now we're with the with those uh, martyrs who have been killed and are under the altar of God. Now, all of a sudden, we're in a a different—it's almost like we're peeling back the curtain and going into the spiritual realm. The same thing's happening here in the trumpets, where we have the first four trumpets are giving way of what's going on on earth. Remember what we talked about last week? It said that there was um, hail and fire mixed with blood, and it hurled down to earth. The earth was burned up. Uh, A third of the trees were burned up. Green grass was burned. And so you see the things that are happening on earth, and now all of a sudden when you get to the fifth angel who blows the trumpet in chapter 9, now all of a sudden we're getting—again, we're, there's that— we're going behind the scenes almost, and we're seeing what God is doing in the
1: spiritual realms to bring torment and wrath to earth as well. And I believe these are demonic spirits that have this kind of body to do that. And in the midst of it, remember, 144,000 are preaching repentance. Amen. They are literally like the Old Testament prophets saying the kingdom is coming, just like John the Baptist. Because the church has been raptured, we are back on the 70th week of Daniel. At the end of the 70th week of Daniel, the king comes. And by the way, rabbis they don't agree with the whole book of Revelation, but they do believe in what's described as the birth pangs of the Messiah mm-hmm. of a Wrath of a horrible period in order for the Jewish people to welcome the Messiah. So here are 144,000. They're saying, repent. This This is it. Terrible things are going to happen. They're going to be prophesying. This happens. Well, I don't want to get to the end quite yet, but at the end of this chapter, there'll be a response from the people who are being tormented, and it isn't what you and I would think
0: would happen. Steve, uh, David and I went out for lunch before of course you here. did. You
2: didn't invite well, me. Well, you were at a big meeting. Yeah, you that's at right. So the what did big you have? Meeting. I want to know what you had. Well,
0: uh, go ahead, David. You tell him what, what did you, you had first.
2: I, so I'm very indecisive when it comes to picking foods, but I had to choose between. <laughs> so I took him the, to the uh, diner. He did, yeah. So I had to choose between the Phillies' uh, cheese steak skillet and the chocolate chip pancakes, and Chris helped me choose the chocolate chip pancakes. So mm-hmm. good choice. Stellar. I prayed for. I prayed for him. Oh, good. Did. <laughs> I prayed for myself too. and You it know they know they know
1: Chris at that restaurant. They do. He's a regular. How are you? What's new? Uh, the guy from uh, his community. They know you.
2: Oh, yes. He's a regular for sure.
1: Yeah. They know you. That's as my cheers. Man.
0: That's my cheers. I'm uh, I'm Salad Boy. Yeah. That's what they call me. Hey, yeah. Salad Boy is here. Yeah. But uh, um, we were at the diner and a, la- a lady, one of the waitresses came up to David and I and said, you know, she had said, I'm a believer in mm. Jesus. And she goes, This world is crazy. And she just launched into, Can you believe this? And can you believe that? And it's amazing to me how you know, um, she was saying how some other people in her community or at the, you know, that she wait, she's with people all the time. She's a waitress. She's interacting with people all the time. She goes, people are clueless. They're clueless to what's going on around them. And that made me think as, as we were eating and, and, uh, talking with her that, you know, you really have to have the eyes of, of God. You have to see the world through the lens of God and through the, the grid that God sees, uh, to see that things are falling apart. They're not getting better. And I think most people feel that way, but I think for believers, we realize it's there is no way to make it better. It's This world is not going to get... You can't paint... You can only paint over it so much. It's not going to get better. It's going to keep
1: getting worse before it gets better. Well, you know, Chris, in Romans, Paul says about the Jewish people, blindness in part is happened to them. Uh, and that's true. But you can... Uh, you can apply that to the idea of looking in the world today and talking to people who seem like there is a scale over there. They don't see anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, they 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 can't see it. They know something bad is happening, but they can't. They they just don't know unless those scales are removed. Jewish or Gentile, uh, they won't see. It's it's delusion, and we are seeing a just a small idea of what delusion really is uh, compared to what it will be during the seven-year period. Just crazy.
0: Steve, it talks about in Revelation chapter 9 the idea that it says, "...a fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth, and the star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. And when he opened the abyss, smoke arose, and uh, and from it, like smoke from a, a gigantic furnace, the sun and the sky were darkened by the smoke of the abyss." Can you describe a little bit who is this star falling, the abyss?
1: This is all this is all satanic. This is this is demons. This is where God is allowing uh the uh Satan who who has dominion on the earth for a while, allowed by God himself, and is now unleashing his uh fury upon the earth. You know, he hates the message of the gospel. Mm -hmm. He hates it. Uh and so even when we get to the news we're going to be talking about the stress that at least believers can see between the moves that seem to be satanic in our world today versus what God is countering in that world here it's not just going to be a a, a spirit kind of thing you'll actually see the tension so you got 144,000 they're preaching people are considering the message And now Satan counter us and he is going to ignite the anger and the sin and the division in the hearts of men Mm -hmm. that and women who have not turned. Christ, who have not repented, can I uh read from I don't think you'll mind this from Dr. Walford John Oh, Walvard. Dr. Walford's a good man, yeah, he was is. a good man, he's in heaven, that's right. So maybe he'll appreciate this, and where <laughs> he'll appreci- he appreciate it all the more.
0: That's right. So, uh, Revelation chapter 9, verse 1, he writes, The events after the sounding of the fifth trumpet are given considerable explanation, implying that this is a most important step in God's progressive and increasing judgments on earth, just like what you were talking about. Because of the he in verse 2 and king in verse 11, the star that fell to the earth was a person rather than a fragment of a star, which we can see in the Old Testament as well, when Satan was thrown down in Isaiah chapter 14, the hubris of Satan to say to God, I will be like the most (laughs) high.
1: And God goes, bloop. You're
0: going back we down ca- We call
1: that chutzpah. A chutzpah, that's the right. The chutzpah of Satan, of an angel, that's- Lucifer, to say, not I'm even better. He's not He just saying, I'm the same—I'm as good as. That is abomination. That was enough to kick him out. But he wasn't kicked out until then, Chris. The book of Job— what happens in the book of Job? The accuser a goes dialogue. up and down. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. he comes up. Oh, look at Job. Boom, he's back down. He comes back up. Look at Job. He probably says, hey, look at Chris. Look at Dave. Mm-hmm. Look at Steve. And we say, oh, yeah, we're, we're guilty. Yep. And then Jesus Christ, the high priest, stands up and said, hey, Satan's right about those guys, but I paid the price. A- amen. That's good. Pre-
0: Preach it, brother. That's <laughs> what I'm talking about. Even in modern terminology, as Walford says, it's a customary to speak of the unusual athlete or performer as a star. This star, probably representing Satan Satan cast out of heaven at the beginning of the Great Tribulation, was given the key to the shaft of the abyss or the bottomless pit. The abyss uh, is the home of demons. This is why you said it was satanic. It's the home of demons, and Satan will be confined in the future for a thousand years in the abyss during the reign of Christ, which we'll get to in Revelation chapter 20, if
1: we ever make it but there. Chris, <laughs> but, Chris, in <laughs> verse 6, men will seek death mm-hmm. and won't find it. I, You know, have you ever said—oh, I've heard kids say this expression, kill me now. Oh, yeah, my son uh, says that all the time. Kill me now. Just kill me now. Yeah. Uh, well, we say that expression, but we don't really fully understand. It's, it's an expression. It's hyper- hyperbole. Mm-hmm. This— Can you imagine the suffering that will go on and just the feeling like it's not going to end and it continues? And it's five months. It Mm -hmm. probably will feel like five years.
0: Well, and think about, too, you know, there's a lot of connection to the fact that God brought the 10 plagues to Egypt. That Absolutely. is a picture of God's judgment coming on earth. And think about He how likes sh- insects. There's yeah. no question about that.
1: <laughs> I never thought of it like that.
0: He likes insects. Let's use insects. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Here's a big locust, buddy. But it's funny because in the. In protein. the protein. Protein. Oh, by that's the way. true. That's true. But it's funny because in the Old Testament with the 10 plagues, they weren't that long, Steve. They didn't last that long. Here, like you're saying, it's five months of torment. Um, it didn't even last that long in the 10 plagues. So you can imagine. The 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 torment that people are feeling in God's wrath just here.
1: horrible. Why don't we go to drop down to verse thirteen? Take it from there. The sixth trumpet, the angel,
0: the, the angel, uh, the sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the four horns of the golden altar that is before God. And it said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was twice, 10,000 times 10,000. I heard their number. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, yellow as sulfur. Their heads of the horses... Uh, "...resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouth came fire, smoke, and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by these plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails were like snakes having heads which they inflicted injury. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons." and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders, their tragic their magic arts, their sexual immoralities or their thefts. You know, I love that th- that's the way that John ends that because the point is God is looking for repentance. Even in this moment, it, that's the point. In the moment of this horrible tragedy that we're seeing take place, as God is pouring his wrath out, God is re- you know telling us that they're still stubborn-hearted toward the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the fact that God can deliver them from from the wrath of, of, that's that's even present in their life here in some way, and yet He's going. They still. In the midst of this torment and agony, with all of this infliction and people dying around them, still held their fist up to God and said, "Never will I turn to you in anger." And 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 so it's interesting that he said that, even in the midst of all of this, they still continue to turn away from God.
1: It is interesting, and you know the identity of these two hundred million uh, soldiers or army that's coming. I it, look, people can interpret it lots of different ways because it it it's not super specific or is it mm. i take it specific i think the context here is demonic i i don't think this is china uh some people believe so and look at the news now with balloons here and all that kind of stuff uh but i take this to be satanic and there are legions of these uh uh demons who will be in these bodies uh and going after mankind but whether i'm right or the other interpreter is right. Here's what we know, and you've emphasized it. They still don't. The the heart is deceitful above all things, Jeremiah said. Mm -hmm. And desperately, I love that word, and the King James uses it, desperately wicked. Look at how, these are desperate people, but they're not responding to the message of the gospel, of the kingdom during this period. Mm -hmm. They're desperately wicked, digging in, Throwing a fist and saying we won't do this, and they continue to do what they've been doing. It's 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 heartbreaking, really, if you think about it. Because on this side of the tribulation period, there are people. Maybe David, you uh, you know, you went to school. You heard testimony of other students. You probably have heard from people your age who you've presented the gospel and they say, you know what, that you're crazy. I
2: love what I'm doing. Mm. Yeah, there's many times where I've shared the gospel myself, and the the hearts are so hardened that they're not willing to accept anything. And even when Jesus was on earth, there were people, even the, you know, the Messiah himself was in person, people still rejected him. And so it's just it's it's hard to watch, but you know, only God can really turn those hearts. Mm. That's the big thing is that God
1: turns the heart. He does turn the heart. And uh, this book, this revelation of Jesus Christ is an unfolding of the wrath and the simultaneous grace of God during this. It's it's an amazing tension. We have it this side of the tribulation. We're going to have it in the tribulation.
0: Can I say this, too? You know, God has been... No, per- you can't. Well, <laughs> shut it down.
1: Now, go shut ahead, Chris.
0: Do good. Uh, I, it, it's interesting because God's been preparing... You know, it hasn't even happened yet, and God's been preparing us for that moment. And I... I Daniel talks about this. He says this in Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. At the very end of his prophecy, it says, At that time, Michael, the great prince who watches over your people will arise. There will be a time of distress, unlike any from the from the nation's beginning up to that time. But at that time, your own people, all those whose names are found written in the book, will escape. Talking about the fact that the great tribulation. It's coming. Daniel prophesied about it. Then Jesus comes in in Matthew chapter twenty-four, verse twenty-one. He says this: "For then there will be great suffering or tribulation, unlike anything that has ever happened from the beginning of the world unto now, or ever will happen." Jesus told us about it. The apostles told us about it. It's that's what the gospel. We've been preaching the gospel for two thousand years to tell people about it. It's coming, and that's exactly what. Revelation is about, and not only is it telling us it's coming, it's giving us insight into what's coming. We, weren't, we can never say to God, you didn't tell us. He did tell us. He told us over and over in his scriptures,
1: and as the gospel gets spread around the world, it's been shared with us for a very long time. Well, you know, Chris, I can hear the smoke burning from brains of some people who, are li- who might be listening and saying, ah, oh, come on, this, look at how long ago this thing happened. 2,000 years ago Jesus was here. Nothing has happened. And my response to them, he's only been gone two days. Yep. It's a thousand years as a day, a days as a thousand years. And in that time, I would turn to them and say, don't talk that way. He hears you. Now is the time to repent. Now is the time to be saved you, because it is coming. And when it comes, most everybody who's there in the tribulation, even the people who believe, and there will be people from every tribe, kindred, nation, everywhere, uh, but even so, they'll be martyred because this is such a horrendous period of time. You know, Steve, I don't know what you were like as a father
0: growing up, um, but I can tell you what I'm like as a father. And it's funny because I think I'm pretty patient with my kids, and I'm patient when they do something wrong. You know, I give them grace. I'm patient. But then what happens is it all kind of builds up to a moment where, and boom, it hits me. I've I've had enough. You've it's too much. You know, and I have four boys. My daughter is not—she's no, a little you, more nuanced. You, you only have
1: three boys. What did I say? Four.
0: Oh, sorry. I have four kids. Look, One's my daughter. That's already hit you. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. Your mind is getting affected. <laughs> it feels like a hundred boys. He, forgive him, Olive. Forgive him. That's right. Him. She will let me know about that. But uh, it's funny because it just—it it pops— But there's a point there where they could stop. You know, they could go, Dad, I'm so sorry I did that. You're right. Even the second time, Dad, I'm sorry I did it the second time. It's just funny how you can abuse the kindness that comes to you. I didn't, you know, I didn't think about that when I was a kid uh, and my parents. And now that I am one, I get it now when I read the scriptures and it says that the kindness of God leads to repentance. And I just think about that over and over again, that now is the time, Steve. God has given us a time of His patience and long-suffering before it pops, like you said. And when it pops, it's going to pop, but He's given us a chance to turn, that His kindness and patience leads to repentance. So.
1: Well, Chris, we finished chapter nine. We are Uh, on our roll. uh, uh, Are we going fast enough? uh, I don't know about that. But you know, each time you think you could kind of coast to somewhere else, you got to make sure you cover it. This, this is, this book tells us what's the mind of God for the future. This is going to have. This
2: is history that is yet to take place. That's right. David, how you doing? You good? Doing good so far. I mean, my coffee's out right now, but, you know. Well, well, feel free to get up. Go to our fridge if you don't mind. Yeah,
0: get yourself something, my friend. Thank you. All right, well, while David's going to come over here and uh, just watch the cameras, David, as you're walking around, as uh, uh, we're going to move to the news, Steve, we've got some very interesting news items going on, so uh, take it away.
1: Well, Chris, thank you. We have from Christianity Today, as Barry Professor, we're witnessing A uh, surprising work of God. Mm. Uh, What is happening is there's... Chris, there's a revival going on.
0: We were talking Mm. about this a couple weeks ago. Revival. Will Mm. there be a revival?
1: I've always hoped there would be a revival. I think I'm a product to you. On Thursday, you'll see that... A lot of the Jewish believers that we talked about are in a particular period of time uh, that we were saved as adults. Mm-hmm. Uh, the late 60s, 70s were time, was a time of revival. Uh, and what they're finding, uh, Asbury University, which is located in Kentucky, uh, they were required to go to chapel. But Chris, you know, I went to a, a after I got saved, I went to Bible College. You went to the same Bible College years later, and we were required to go to chapel. Mm-hmm. You had to go to chapel. You so were allowed we. uh, David, you had to go to chapel, right?
2: So did I. Yeah. yeah.
1: We well, are only required you were required or you were allowed a certain amount of cuts. Mm-hmm. We called them cuts. 3, I think uh, I had 3 or okay. 5. Okay, I I I can't remember. But the point is So and as fast as—you got in as late as you possibly could for a typical student, and you got out as fast as you could (laughs) when it was over. I mean, let's be honest. And that's the way it was in Asbury, except that, Chris, something happened. Mm. Uh, What had happened is that students began to gather in the auditorium for chapel. They're required to attend a certain number of chapels, so they tend to show up as a matter of routine, it says— But this past Wednesday was difficult when the benediction, the gospel choir, began to sing a final chorus. And then something happened that defies description. Mm. Students did not leave. Mm. They were struck by what seemed to be a quiet but powerful sense of transcendence. They did not want to go. They stayed and continued to worship. And then later in the article, Chris, it says this. By Thursday evening... There were standing room only. Students had begun to arrive from other universities in Kentucky University of Kentucky, University of Cumberland, Purdue University, Indiana Wesleyan University, Ohio Christian University, Midway University, Transylvania University, Lee University, Georgetown's College, Mount Vernon Nazarene, and many more. And they continued to come to worship. Chris, this is. We're, we were talking about what's happening in, Re- in the book of Revelation, and we also talk about what's happening in our own country, all the things that make us crazy. How could people do that and act that way? Murder, and the economy, and uh, the, uh, the gender mix-up that David was preaching to the, to the kids. Uh, all this is going on. Is is anything okay? Yeah. That, that's that's yeah. what we ask. Well, what's the answer? Christianity Today reports there is an answer. Yes, there is something okay. Quietly, I'm raising up a group of young people, and Mm. there's a sense of the Spirit of God, evidently, that's moving amongst them. We just had a a gal who was a guest on our podcast, Jeannie Green, who has somebody from her gathering, her church gathering, whose daughter goes to Asbury, she told me. And she said, what's happening there is real. Her Her friend, who goes to the same church, uh, he dropped his daughter off, Asbury, and went to check it out himself. And he's going to report back. I asked her if she'd come on the podcast to give us a firsthand report. But evidently, people from other schools are coming into this auditorium. They're praying. They're singing So Chris, you you can't make people do that. No. That has to come from in your heart. And we would say not from inside man's heart, but a, a wooing of the Holy Spirit That seems to be directing people. I don't have any other way to to explain. From all those universities, coming uh, and worshiping God, what an amazing thing that is.
0: It says, they were praising and praying earnestly for themselves and their neighbors and our world, Mm -hmm. expressing repentance and contrition for sin and interceding for healing, wholeness, peace, and justice. And I love what you—because I was going to say it, Stephen, I'm glad you did—but you can't manufacture those things. And you know what happens is and I'm guilty of this. And it sounds like Steve, when you were uh, at Bible college and David, you were probably the holiest of them all and went to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> he were. was telling you better be <laughs> there. you be there. <laughs> no, but I mean it like you, you know, the, it becomes a program, you know, it becomes your schedule. I have to be at chapel. I have to be there. And there's very little room for the work of the spirit of God to work in a program or a structure like that, and what happened is the program was broken, and people stopped—believers stopped and let the Spirit of God work, and that's where revival begins. Go ahead, David. I was
2: going to add on that, because it's not just chapels, I think it's churches as well, because some people think it's churches are just a routine, and, and they don't let enough room for the Spirit to work, but my dad was also preaching this Sunday, and he was saying that, you know, what if revival broke out in our church just like it did in Kentucky? What if that happened with churches around the U.S. and how would the U.S. look differently? Um, and it's a difference between people that are just hungry for the Holy Spirit to work in their lives and to encourage other people to do the same, and that's when revival breaks mm. out. You know, Chris, that's great. Uh,
1: it's uh, there are some evangelicals, and I'm I'm probably part of that stripe, are kind of reluctant to talk about the moving of the Spirit because it could. It could seem emotional. Mm -hmm. And so there's a tendency to make sure that we don't let people see that side. And I understand how that is, but I think it's important. The Holy Spirit is one of the three persons in the Godhead. Mm -hmm. He is the one that leads and guides, He is the one that goes before and brings people to Jesus Christ. And when it happens, other people, other believers especially, no it's happening that yep. you can you can identify it and so we praise God for the holy spirit moving and guiding and just a uh, uh, to me i'm preaching to myself when uh, people gather together and the spirit is moving and there might be a little emotion let's not be afraid of emotion we could be we could guard i think that's true but you know the bible does say Lift up your hands, mm-hmm. uh, boy! I, when I was in Bible college, if somebody lifted up their hands, I kind of—I came from an Orthodox point of view. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. look at that! That person's wrong. That person's wrong. We're so—I'm so judgmental. What a moving of the Lord! We should be praying that this expands and grows. Just like David's father was saying, why can't it happen in this church? Exactly. Uh, the, the other part of that, too, in praying for a revival,
0: is a, a professor of mine at Dallas Seminary. His name's Dr. Dan Wallace. He wrote a book actually called Who's Afraid of the Holy Spirit? Because talking about just like what you were saying, that we can sometimes limit the work of the Holy Spirit for various reasons, you know, um, doctrinal reasons or whatever the case might be. But it wasn't until I believe uh, his son had a serious uh health issue that he said I had to take all the theological teaching that I ever taught about the Holy Spirit and I had to release it from the box I put the Holy Spirit in because now it was personal and now my son uh was you know needed prayer, and I had nowhere to go i c- I couldn't fix it a doctor couldn't fix it we needed prayer and It's funny how that's when God can get our attention the most, is when there is a crisis. And you know what? There's a crisis right now. I think that the church is in a crisis. I think in America, at least, the church is in a crisis. I I think this is hitting us here, what's going on, because there is a crisis. You know, that these people were praying for repentance, not only for our own lives, but repentance for every, you know, for our neighbor, seeking forgiveness. Uh, and, and all of those things, that's a work of the Holy Spirit because it's the fruits of the spirit being poured out as well. So. You
1: know, Chris, uh, I had an experience uh, about eight years ago. My youngest uh, grant my, my eight year old granddaughter was born with a, a serious issue and was rushed to the hospital. Uh, it was a month in, in in the NICU and then two months of rehab. And I was going to Texas and uh, Alice had shared with the wife of the pastor that we where we were. And so I, I'm speaking, and all of a sudden, the, they called us up, and they presented a check to us. And they had, unbeknownst to us, once Alice had spoken to the, to the gal, she shared it, and the church was led. No one said they were led. Anyway, they gave us a check. I went and gave it to my son, and it turned out to be the exact Amount of money. Wow, that was needed to pay. The insurance covered some, but they had enough to cover what they it didn't cover. Think of I, mm. that. Just think about that. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask for anything. Alice didn't ask for anything, but they responded. What prompted them? Who do we give credit for 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 that action? I, I give credit to the Spirit of God. And how much came in? That meant every person who gave whatever they were led to give there was a figure not too not too much uh, but not too little just right and when i when they opened that that check and looked at it and knew what they owed that ministered to them mm. that's what the spirit of god does and can do but we limit him don't? we
0: do we limit the spirit of god so who's afraid of the holy spirit i don't want to be afraid of the holy spirit i don't either but chris we got another NPR news item here. Yep, fireworks and death to the dictator. Iranians assess the revolution. The revolution, forty-four years on. Steve, you had circled something in this article
1: from NPR. Oh, I did. Yeah, you prepared. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I did have one thing here. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I did. Uh, the celebration is losing its color, said a fifty-three-year-old woman walking with her father in the city of Isfahan. The day before the anniversary her father opposed the Shah and when she would repeat the propaganda she learned in grade school he gently explain Iran, Iran's problems. What's happening here Chris is they're giving them lines and they're not believing it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh they are they are reciting Oh, here's another I did you're right. You I, circled a I, couple yeah, things. Right. See? On Friday the eve of the 44th anniversary of the Iranian Islamic Revolution, celebratory fireworks lit up Tehran's night sky. Within minutes, the show is interrupted with cries of freedom, death to the dictator, and death to Khamenei, Iran's supreme leader ringing from the apartment windows, then chants of God is great as supporters of the regime chimed in. Iranians rose up in anger, demanding change to stop what they called the regime's oppression of its citizens and mismanagement of the economy. So they were having, the government was having these celebrations, and now in the celebrations, they're yelling, you guys are crazy.
0: Which is dangerous to do in Iran. Very much so.
1: Very much so. So we
0: need to keep praying for the people of Iran. And, you know, I hope at some point that the United States backs the people who want revolution and want to free the Iranians of this oppressive regime, because that's exactly what it is. It's an oppressive oppressive regime that has tentacles into the Middle East. You know, we have to remind ourselves of something, that yes, Israel has peace with countries now, that we never expected them to have peace with, uh, UAE, Oman, Sudan, uh, Sudan. You know these countries that once uh, screamed no to Israel are now saying yes. But at the same time, that doesn't mean there still isn't an anti-Israel, anti, uh, an anti-Semitism um, coming out of the Middle East. Iran has tentacles all throughout the Middle East, and they're usually surrounding Israel. Hezbollah in the north. You've you've got Palestinians in Israel that are, uh, back uh, Iran, and he probably even received funding from Iran. You have the Gaza Gaza and Hamas, uh, so they're all over. They have and and you can find them in all the places where there's a need for leadership, a vacuum for leadership. So we need to be praying because this could alter not only what's going on in Iran, a change uh, in Iran could also lead to a change in the Middle East as well. Crazy
1: things are crazy.
0: Well, Chris. Okay, we got one more, David. Then we're done, okay? One more. Se- and this is the big segment here, and you experienced it yourself. So here we go. Everybody, this is the Yiddish word of the what day. What is
1: the Yiddish word of the day? When your wife came in, she was looking for a drink, and we said, go to our fridge because we are Hamish. We're
0: Hamish, everybody. Hamish. Hamish means to be familiar, homey, inform-
1: <laughs> informal. That's we our are middle Hamish. name. We said, "Come in, take whatever snack you want. We it's should re- take whatever you want. We
0: should rename the podcast Hamish. You know, <laughs> informal, cozy, that's warm. Us. That's us, David.
2: We hope you felt Hamish today in the podcast. Very much Hamish, guys. I'm gonna start using that word now. All P-O-R right, you are the man. Not Haman.
1: No, 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 not Haman. Not Haman. wicked Hamish.
0: Hamish. Not hamantashin, Hamish. Hamish. Hey, All right. Well, that's what we want. We want you to feel. We hope that you feel uh, uh, listening to this podcast. Come that,
1: tomorrow. You'll hear Hamish.
0: They're going to feel a lot coming to that podcast. Again, uh, thank you so much for being a part of the Jew and Gentile podcast. As Steve said, we want you to come to our night uh, roundtable with Jewish believers. Uh, you'll see Steve there, Larna, Mitch. Uh, Fred and Eva, as they talk about what it's like being a Jewish believer, maybe some of the misconceptions of what people think. Hey, Steve, I actually had a pastor email me recently and say, hey, you're going to have to help me understand what a Messianic Jew is. Hey, we can define some of those things. That's why you need to come tomorrow night, Thursday, February 16th. You can register by going to foiequip.org. Again, that's foiequip.org. Hey, everybody, David, thank you for coming. Glad you came. Thanks for having me. Hey, we'll see everybody next week.